152 yards should be just a nice, comfortable nine iron for him. They're going to go nuts when he hits this thing. <laughs> Yo, yo, yo. Welcome in, golf fans. This is the Preferred Lines Podcast. My name is Joe Idoni at Tour Picks. If you want to find me on Twitter, um, super pumped for this show. Special Sunday night edition for any of you guys who um, are actually coming here to check out the show. I greatly appreciate it. Drop me your name in the chat. I always love to see you in there. Uh, Preferred Lines, golf gambling podcast. We're here to like do an absolute deep dive into LACC. I brought on one of the biggest experts, kind of a white whale guest for me. So really excited to have him on here in just a few minutes. Shout out the Fantasy Golf Pod up there in the corner. My boys, Chad, Eric, Jish, they got great content coming out all week to get you covered on the fantasy markets. Before I start get started, I got to mention, we uploaded some new stuff in the store online um hats like some we we got some dope stuff in there you should really go and check it out that's like the number one way to support the show as you know i kind of do as much as i can for the show on my own so any way that you can sort of um add to a little bit of personal swag and support preferred lines is always greatly appreciated okay Listen, without further ado, I don't want to waste any more time. I can't wait to been trying to get the guy on the show. We almost made it happen at the last major. Excited that he was able to make some time for me this week. Coming to us live from Los Angeles. Just checked into the Airbnb. Welcome, Andy. I'm so happy to have you on. Hey, Joe, it's a pleasure. Thank you for uh, having me. I was bummed I couldn't do uh, the Oak Hill one. But, uh, you know, this probably works out better. I'm here. Um, This is a golf course I've been to more than Oak Hill. So, this is, uh, it's exciting. I, I can't wait for, I, re, I was driving down today uh, and I just, I was really excited just to get out on the golf course tomorrow. Uh, I think this is going to be a really, I mean, there's a lot going on in golf, but I think this major is really going to deliver as well. Super compelling stuff. If you don't know Andy Johnson, it's at Andy TFE on Twitter. The fried egg absolutely has you covered with probably the best course preview um, video podcast that you will see this week from LACC. I'm going to get back to that in a second, but I want to circle with you on the status real quickly of professional golf. The history, the trophies, the magic, the PGA Tour was not for sale until it was kind of sort of for sale um as this story continues to evolve what's like the check in the pulse on the the doctor situation on the pj tour is this thing still going through where do things stand as far as you know it right now andy yeah from what from what i understand um it it's probably gonna go through i mean the reports of the antitrust stuff just from the the legal uh point of views that i've talked to they they seem to suggest that there's there's no harm done on fans and there's no harm done on labor. You you could make an argument that it's better for both. And that's, uh, you know, let's start this uh, this picks podcast with a little legal talk. That's the fun yeah, status. Let's do it. State of, state of professional golf right now. So from what I from what I gather, you know, those are two of the biggest things with um, monopoly cases. Right. Is like. Okay either labor is going to be harmed or uh, customers, um, in this case, fans, right? And you could make an argument that unified tour is better for fans and that this setup with uh, the Saudi money is better for players, labor. So from that standpoint, I think it's a tricky sell because if they ruled this a monopoly, then what's different than this in the NFL or the MLB or NBA, right? Um, You know, (laughs) If yeah. you want to get in a larger discussion about the whole thing, it's I, I think that's, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of different perspectives you could take on it. And, um, you know, I think I think the hypocrisy is pretty sickening from from the PGA Tour, um, especially rolling out the lines that they've rolled out the last year and a half. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's kind of a complicated time to cover golf. Um, that True. being said, like when you think about golf as a product, like and could this make it better? Probably. I think like, you know, the whole setup, the sad thing for me, where I get frustrated with the whole thing is that um, the PGA Tour leadership 
probably knew it needed to get rid of its nonprofit status a year and a half ago. And, and at that point, they probably could have done it with some other partners. And to me, it feel, felt like they got backed all the way down into this corner where the only out was this with the Saudis. And that sucks, right? Yeah. Well, you know, I guess continuing along those lines, what what w- what was actually prohibited by the nonprofit status? And what is the moving to a for-profit status going to allow them to do that they may have otherwise not been able to do? Yeah. So uh, if you're a nonprofit, you can't award like equity, right? So like if you think about your your tech startup, just as an example, like that people would be like if anybody's a fan of Silicon Valley, right? Um, you know, an in, in, in important employee you could give a cut of equity to, like a percentage of ownership. In a nonprofit, you can't do that. The other thing that they they couldn't do that Liv did was they signed you know, live signed players to contracts like every other sports league, you know, in a nonprofit, they couldn't do that. They couldn't contract labor. So with this, they'll be able to contract labor, which is like, you know, as we saw with live, like very valuable, right? If you can, like the only reason that live, if, if the PGA tour had gotten rid of the nonprofit, um, uh, denotation of their business and had been a for-profit entity and had their top 20 players locked up live wouldn't have had a very easy pathway like they did you know like in a way like the way they they took advantage of the fact that they were this nonprofit and didn't have contracts or equity agreements with their top players so i think that's the big thing that they can do um you know what they do with that like the, i i that's i think what everybody's wondering is like what how do the chips fall do they keep the team format in some semblance do they you know maybe it's not called live I, to me they are going to shutter live as we know it um they'll probably it'd be, it'd be like when the restaurant down the street from you closes and reopens if they went with a team co- concept everybody'd be like this is live. And, and they're like, no, it's not. It's named, it's something, it's a whole new concept. All right. So the, the quote that like, I just sticks in my head that I just remember hearing over and over the past year is like, this is a player run organization. How can a player run organization, like where's their say in this, where does their power lie in terms of, do they have any say in this deal whatsoever? Or do they have any say in their leadership? Like is, can they fire Jay Monahan? I think I think they can, but he's now the CEO of this new company, and I don't know. I assume that they have some sort of um, agreement in in the nonprofit, but then there's the for profit, right? Okay. And he's the CEO of the of the LLC now, so maybe they could fire him as the commissioner <laughs> of the nonprofit, but then he's still the CEO. Um, I think like one of the things I've thought about a lot, I, you know, the last couple days is like the idea of like, if this folds, is that good for the PGA tour? Hmm. Yeah. That's what I was kind of wondering. And I'm, I'm kind of, I'm unsure of it still. Like I, I my opinions are continue. I'm trying not to take too hard of a stance. Cause I realize how much things are still evolving and changing. But one thing like we've been so, critical and we all love the pj tour we've been critical of it forever like it's they've seemingly half-assed everything for a long time and got away with it from their coverage from their implementation of technology into the sport from their integration into gambling from their their season format from their abomination of a playoff finale like everything is felt half-assed and not well thought out and i wonder does the funneling of this for-profit designation and the funneling of all this cash in the end of the day, in two years from now, are we going to be happier fans? Are we going to get a better enhanced, more consumable product? I don't know. (laughs) I don't, I don't have, I don't have a lot of faith in the PGA tour. And I think like, you know, for, for people that want the thing to fold, the deal to fold, like I, this is, I, at one point I was like, well, maybe the deal doesn't get voted in, in my head. And I'm like, and then it, and then, you know, everything's okay. But let's just say the deal doesn't, let's say I'm Chesson Hadley, who's obviously very irritated, wants his loyalty rewarded. Um, let's just play out Chesson Hadley. He, he is part of a, 
uprising and they try and they block the deal as players, right? Mm-hmm. If the deal gets blocked, what do you think is going to happen with Liv? Gosh, I don't know, but I feel like the the tour has totally showed their cards at this point that they're out of yes. money. Wouldn't don't you? Wouldn't you expect a lot of top players immediately to go to live if they, yes. if they if they block the deal? And then we go back to like it's nobody gets to like their mind erased. Like uh, like what was the what was the Will Smith? Uh, the Men movie? in Black. Men in Black. Films. Men in Black. Yeah, it's not like we get to go back in time and people don't get to know all the things that were like said about cash, about like the new business. Like it's like that, and the guy nobody I. I couldn't foresee a situation where like the deal gets blocked. We go back to PGA tour and live and not see a, a outpouring of top players. Everybody that had deal would be gone. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you about a player in particular that kind of started the uprising here. And I'm, I root for, a comeback story. I root for, okay, so the tiger come, uh, listen, I talked to you before I went hot in Ohio. I'm a Cleveland guy. Andy, one of the most, I grew up, I played high school football against LeBron James. One of the most heartbreaking moments of my life was when he left us and went to Miami. He came back full circle, won the championship. And I just wonder, like, I want Phil to be back in our good graces. I don't want to write him off forever. He's my dad's favorite player. He's like, he appealed to literally everyone. He was so good. And are we sort of resigned to the fact that maybe if you sift through the mud and the gunk that he cloudied some of his points with, was he kind of right? And are we ever going to be to the point where we can like forgive him and be like, okay, you're back. Um, I mean, I think he was right about a lot of things. I think he handled being, there's a right way about being right about things. And there's a wrong way to being right. If like, you know, Fair. it's always easy to be like, a, not, none of these situations are black and white, right? The way he handled being right was awful, you know, like, you know, and, and created <laughs> sure. Like he started he shifted the way the sport is the future of the sport with a lot of his actions. He was an instrumental. I wouldn't say he's solely responsible, but he was a large um, factor in that. But like, you can't, I, I mean, I think it's going to kind of follow him. It's sad too. Cause it like happened right after one of the most, like, um, you know, I'm not a Phil fan. I don't like Phil. Um, even I like the PGA Aquila was just like this. This guy's unbelievable. Like you know, even like non fans had to be like, this is amazing. And he took like perhaps like his the most good mojo he had, and then just like went the complete opposite way. Um, yeah. But hey, you know, I was thinking about Phil while I was driving down here for the show, and I, I was thinking like, do I think he's going to play well this week? No. Do I think he can play well at this course? Yes. I, I think this is probably his best U.S. Open, best chance to complete the Grand Slam he has left. I don't think he's going to play well, but I do think this is a golf course. Like when you start to look at other U.S. Open venues, this is the one. Yeah. There's enough space. There's a lot of creativity involved here. You're going to have to hit good iron shots, but then you're going to have to get up and down from a lot of different situations. Mm -hmm. Like, I think Phil Mickelson could play really well here. That's interesting. All right, so let's get right into the golf course. I think it's rare, and you guys did a great job of highlighting that we get a chance to get, for most people, our first real glimpse into a classical, mystical design of a golf course that is so highly revered um, for years. We get the chance to see it as a major championship this week. Not only have you covered it extensively, you've had the chance to play it. What are we in store for? Um, I, I think it's just not really your standard U.S. Open course. I think it's going to be visually stunning on television. Um, obviously, I think one of the cool things that you're going to have with this golf course, I think TV shows really well when you've got a nice juxtaposition, whether it's golf and ocean at Pebble Beach. Yeah. Here it's going to be golf and, and like Beverly Hills, right? You're going to be Century City is going to be right there. The ocean's a little bit of ways down. Hollywood's the other way. You know, downtown Los Angeles skylines right there. 
So I think you're going to have like a nice juxtaposition. The colors, everything at this golf course are really beautiful. And it's got some elevation change. It's got big movement, you know, where like when you watch T when you watch TV, you watch uh, St. Andrews on TV, you're like, I don't, I don't know what, like, I think a natural reaction is like, I don't know what everybody's saying. This place is so special. Yeah. It looks like this place has enough up and down, like big movement that you're going to be able to see it from television. Cause like what television does is flatten everything. Right. So you're going to still be able to see that movement. Um, I think people are going to be really, really um, enjoy the eye candy. I, one of the things I worry about, I think scores are going to be low. And I think there's going to be a natural knee jerk of like, Hey, this course sucks. The score is not around par. And I, yeah. and I, that's the one thing I worry about, but from the perspective I was thinking about this, I, and this might be like, uh, I might write this as like kind of an article. Um, this was an article idea that I'm going to burn here, but like the idea of, um, you know, when you win a major, it's kind of like pitching a no hitter, right? Mm-hmm. Now, like if you throw a no hitter against the Oakland A's, people are like, oh, that's that's good and all. But if you throw uh, throw a no hitter against like, say, the L.A. Dodgers with like that diverse lineup full of hitters, like different types of hitters too, contact mm-hmm. hitters, lefties, righties, power hitters, like a wider range of guys that you have to do different things to get out. Like winning at LACC is going to be like throwing a no hitter against a great lineup where you have to have all your pitches have to be like crisp. You have to, you have to pitch certain ways to different hitters. So like, think about holes, you have to play holes a little bit differently. Some holes call for, for fades off the tee. Some holes, it's going to be really advantageous. If you can turn it over right to left, you're going to have to hit a lot of like mid irons because the course is long, but then around the greens, unlike like Oak Hill, like Oak Hill, we saw it's just, if you weren't on the green, you're either in really thick rough or a bunker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So here you could be in you could be in thick Bermuda rough. You could be in patchy Bermuda rough. You could be in the Barranca, which is like what a Barranca is. Is it's like a it's a creek bed. It's a dried creek bed, and they have like plants in it. But then like you could get a lie that's just like a bunker shot. But you could mm-hmm. also get a lie like in a bush, right? So it's yeah. like kind of very unpredictable. You have the sand, and then you have like this wispy fescue rough around it that's really thick and and you'll see shots like they hit at oak hill there but Mm. then you also have fairway so you're gonna have to be able to pitch you're gonna have to be able to get up and down from all these different types of of situations and then putting wise like i i I think lag putting is going to be super important they're big greens majors they've got a lot a lot of big slopes in them and you're gonna these guys are gonna be hitting long shots into a lot of them because there are a lot of long par fours so lag putting is a is a big skill that I think is going to be important, as well as like anything, you got to make short putts to win majors and you got to make a couple 20 footers, right? So yep. I think like overarching, this is a really diverse test. Now, like, will the score be even par? I doubt it, right? I, the score might be 12 under, mm-hmm. um, but it's going to test everybody. It, all the facets of the game, right? It is not like a, okay, if I if I don't hit the fairway, I'm in the rough and I'm just going to try and run it up to the front edge of the green. Like if you miss the fairway, these guys are going to like be enticed to go for it. And then they might go for it and they might get more trouble, right? So this is, this is definitely a thinking golf course. Um, and it's got a lot of different places you can get to that, you, you know, I... I think experience would matter, but there's no real experience outside of the guys right. that played the Walker Cup and Pac-12s there 10 years ago. I don't think that really counts. Like, yeah. I know people like, oh, Max Homa won the Pac-12s here. Like, you know what? Like, that was 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. He's a way different player now. Absolutely. And, and like, I, I, I don't mean this is a disrespect to Max Homa. I don't care that he won the Pac-12s here. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the variety of golf holes, and I sort of noticed that right off the bat, how different shot shapes, um, a great mix and blend of different holes. But then you kind of get to this closing stretch of 16 through 18, and it just looks to me hard as hell. I mean, they're all basically over 500 yards. You have 1,500 yards worth of par fours in three holes and 12 shots to get home. Um, 
is this the type of like the finish? Would you describe it as more of like a place where we can see someone potentially make a move, even though they're very long holes? Or is it going to be one of these just hold on for dear life and try to get in it, it, it even through that stretch? I, yeah, I think those holes are doable as long as they are. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the things that, and I think this is why scoring will be a little bit better. There's some space out there. Um, 16 is going to be a little, is, is a tough driving hole. If you hit a good drive on 16, I think that second shot is pretty welcoming, right? It's a big green. It kind of situates straight on. And, and it's a, it's a invite. It's a shot that you feel comfortable hitting in, um, seven, like 17, there's space, 18, there's space. I think these guys are going to be able to hit the fair. Like, you know, it's not 540 and super narrow. I think one of the things that with this with this golf course, which I really like, and p- some people will disagree with me, and it's just a taste thing, right? Yeah. What type of golf you like. If you drive the ball well here, you could conceivably hit every fairway. And that's so rare at a major. But I mm-hmm. think that's the way it totally. should be. Like, if I drive, if I have the ball on a string, why shouldn't I be able to hit every fairway? Like if I'm having the, one of the best driving days of my, my career, why wouldn't I be able to now? And some of these fairways are going to be really hard to hit like mm-hmm. 13, 14, 12, like 13 and 14 are going to be really hard fairways to hit back to back before these holes. 16 is going to be a hard fairway to hit. You're going to hit dr- tons of drivers, but you feel like a, an, a, a shorter hitter could hit like, especially an accurate t- uh, player off the tee. They can hit, 13, 12, 11 fairways a day. I think they could hit 11 fairways a day. And they, then all of a sudden they have a chance, you know, totally. versus like where at Oak Hill, if you drive it great, you might've hit eight fairways. Like if you yeah. had a sensational day off the tee, you were going to hit like eight fairways. And if somebody driving it bad was going to hit four and it's like, okay, that it doesn't really make much of a difference. I wanted to ask you, I mean, you typically from a TV standpoint, right? Uh, they tend to really hone in and give us a lot of coverage from what it is, uh, you know, obviously one of the more compelling holes, which is the the drivable par four, right? We have one, we have one 10 minutes, maybe 10, 15 minutes. You're more of California than me, but slightly down the road. That is a very famous drivable par four. We had one, you talked a lot about Oak Hill that I thought was, I'm not an architecture guy, but I thought that was an abomination of a golf hole. <laughs> I don't think it was very good either. Um, number six, though, has me very intrigued, Andy. Should it? Uh, I think so. I, I'm i fascinated by it. I when I when yeah. The first time I went around it, I thought everybody would just drive, try and drive it. Um, I think it completely depends Completely blind, on, right? It's completely blind. Um, it's only like 280. And it's, huh. it, you know, it's, it plays downhill. Um the green's super narrow um, since we're on YouTube. I can, so the hole goes this way, right? And the green kind of sits like a T and it's super narrow and the fairway is really wide. So you can kind of play way out here if you lay up to hit across. So the way you want to set it up is so if it's a T, right? If mm-hmm. the pin's on this side, you want to be way over here. And if the pin's on this side, you want to be way over here if you're laying up. So I'm fascinated to see, I like, I laid up the last time I played it. I played it a few times. I laid it up and I, I played way left in, to front right pin. And I got over there and I was like, God, this is like the easiest wedge shot you'll have all day out here. It's like yeah. a flat lie. You've got tons of green to work with. Like, it's a super simple wedge. I'm fascinated. Like, I think where, what it depends on though, is what the front, because I, I think there are bunkers there, right? Like Oak Hill. And I think everybody just wanted to hit it in the front bunker at Oak Hill. Yep. So I'll be interested. I could see them just trying to dump it into that front bunker. But that tall, that rough around there, like the, the fescue could be so gnarly. I could see them keeping it so gnarly that it really makes people think twice about going in there. Because that, that stuff around the greens, sometimes it's like hard to find your golf ball. Yeah, that fescue. And then, you know, we had talked, obviously, Oak Hill had the difficult rough, but a totally different grass type, as well as Riviera, totally different grass type. I think a lot of people will sort of cling on to the Thomas design and the architecture and around the periods where they were built and being so close in proximity. 
but speak just quickly on the the difficulty and the uniqueness of sort of the Bermuda grass rough and the bent grass greens. Are those, did I get that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the Berm- Bermuda rough is, I mean, that stuff is the worst. I mean, yeah. I, I think what excites me about Bermuda rough for the pros, like Bermuda rough scares pros because it's super unpredictable. You never like, you don't know if the ball is going to come out dead. You don't know if it's going to fly. Um, you know, sometimes they sit up and then it comes out dead. Sometimes it sits down and it flies. Um, so I think that like it, these guys are so, so, so habits of predictability. They know exactly my daughter's right here. They know exactly how, um, far the ball's going when they're in the fairway. They know how far it's going when they're in bent, thick, bent rough. One of the things that throws them for a loop a lot of times is Bermuda grass, just because it's. It's that unpredictable nature. It's really hard to judge dif- distances. And I think that's, um, I don't think they got it as thick as they wanted it uh, just because of how cold the spring was. So I mm. think it will be even a little bit patchier, um, which will lend itself to more unpredictability. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see some greens, uh, some, some greens just like airmailed out of the blue because they, you know, somebody caught a heater when, when they thought it was going to come out dead. Right. Yeah. All right, I'm going to bring up some players. Let's talk through a couple little odds here. U.S. Open odds boards. Top of the board this week, Andy, Scotty Scheffler. 750 plus 750, 7.5 to 1 is the best price you'll get. Then followed by Brooks Kepka. So, Andy, I had Brooks at the last major at 22 to 1. I had a Masters 100 to 1 on Brooks. My, how the number has fallen from 101 down to 11 to one. Ram is right there at 11 See, to one. You're going, you're going for four majors in a row, right? Oh yeah. I didn't even mention it. See, I didn't even toot my own horn that I told you I was going to toot. Yes. Anyone <laughs> checking out the show, I'm going officially for the tiger slam right now. So we're taking it back. Cam Smith at the open Ram at the masters Brooks at the PGA. We're trying to make it four straight. Rory's 12 to one. I'm intrigued, but I'm worried. I saw the same thing again on Sunday where he can't stick a wedge close enough. Um, can't lay 17 to one. He's got some ties obviously out there to the West coast. As mentioned, this is one of his uh, more preferred courses as well. And then Victor Hovland, a lot of guys jumbled here under this 20 to one range. Who do you think? What about, like, what about Zalatoris at, for you? How about Zalatoris at 22 to one? Yeah, that's not going to be a great <laughs> profitable bet for you. Will Zal- do not bet Will Zalatoris or Dan Berger this week. You will lose. Um, who do I like? Yeah, who do you like? I mean, it's hard not to say you like Scotty Scheffler, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, to me, to me, the top three guys on this list, you have to feel very good about, right? Every major in and out, like, you know, I guess like the way the odds lay out, you can bet the three of them and have a good week if one of the three wins. And that's how I would, I would feel pretty good about all three of those guys. Um, you know, I think, um, I think the golf course fits what Scotty does. I mean, every golf course fits what Scotty does. Cause he hits a yep. great, he chips a great, the thing is obviously the putter. I feel like he's going to, even if he puts average, he's going to be there on, on Sunday. Um, to me, out, out of this list, like a name that, that is jumping off the board, it, because it's, I think it's more of an Augusta-type test than it is a typical U.S. Open test, is speed at 32 to, 32 to 1, 3,200. Um, okay. I'm not a speed guy. I'm actually like maybe one of the Internet's foremost speed haters, and I really like Are Spieth. Are you? Yeah. I, I think okay. he's just a guy. I don't think he's, I don't think he's that. I, I haven't been like impressed by him for a couple of years. I have but, some like, numbers I, to back up Spieth as well. I love him. I love Cam Smith at, at 33 to one. Um, that's another one. Like, again, thinking about like, if you think about this as more of Augusta than a U.S. Open, I think it would really shift some of these numbers, right? All yeah. of a sudden Spieth would go way up. Uh, Cam Smith would go way up. Uh, I, I love Xander. Just because he's he's such a good all around player, like he's basically Sky Scheffler, but like not as good as Sky Scheffler, right? Um, when it comes to the way you break down his game, 
Um, it's a matter – he hasn't popped in a major or, like, he hasn't – he's been okay this year. But, like, this is a golf course that should fit his game really well. He does everything well, and, and he's bound to be in the major hunt. Um, when it comes to Rory, I don't know. I It's like you talk yourself into him every week, right? And Yeah, I know. I think the thing with with the wedges is like of all the of all the things to be coming into a major with like not clicking, I feel like that's the easiest one to shore up. Like it's not like he's driving it like shit like he was before the Masters, right? Um he's driving it really well. And it's just I I so I haven't really said anything here. I said I like a bunch of guys that are are favorites, but players, I would yeah. I would, I would skew the way I would frame your thinking is more Augusta than traditional U.S. Open. Okay, um, I like everything you said there. I'm going to get to Spieth and Cam in just a second. Um, I like for me if I'm going to make a bet based purely on the numbers, and the most worrisome to me is also what I feel like is probably the best value, and it's it's Victor right now, and he's just playing so incredibly well. I think that Brooks is the guy for me. I worry. I worry a little bit more about Scheffler than like the guy should have paid it off with five or six wins. And it just hasn't come to fruition. What Brooks was able to do it. Oak Hill. And I went back and like, was, was very dialed into almost every shot he was hitting that day. It was magic. And under the utmost pressure of the layover and trying to get back on the major championship, people starting to sort of doubt whether he can still do it on a Sunday anymore. And like I look down, I have, let me go back to the thing here. Okay. So his, like for me, the ultimately pressure a lot of times, and I'm not a great player, so I'll preface this, but for me, when you start to get in pressure situations, it's distance control for me. It's whether you're actually doing it with adrenaline, with emotion, with a little bit of nerves, and you're able to hit your distances. Brooks, on 14, it was that 319-yard hole. He hit it 320. Distance to hole versus distance to shot. 15, it was 153. He hit it 152. 16, it was 157 to hole. He had 156-yard shot. 18, it was 178 yards to the hole on his approach. He hit 178-yard shot. His distance control on a Sunday when the pressure is at an all-time high is unbelievable. And it doesn't really ever feel like he's not just going to two-putt everything in majors. Like, his lag putting is just tremendous when he really gets in a groove. So I preface all that by saying I'm not going to bet him at 11-1 to because I just think going back-to-back is so hard, and I feel like I already punched the ticket there. I'm going to go down to the two guys you mentioned. It's Jordan Spieth. It's Cam Smith. I can't believe you said them. I have them both written down. Those are my two bets. Spieth's ball striking, Andy, has been outrageous. The last six events, plus 4.2 strokes ball striking. The last 12, plus 3.97. I did a tweet earlier this week. In his last 100 rounds played, he's had five total rounds when he's gained four strokes ball striking. Two of those are in the last three tournaments that he's played. He's on the best run since like 2017 with his irons right now. You mentioned the Augusta comp. He misses some shorties, which bothers me. Um, And I wanted to ask you about one more thing before I leave Spieth, but Rick run good has an incredible stat on there, which is basically approach putting, which is how close are you to putting it for your second? He is still number fourth in the entire field. He's best actually on bent grass surfaces. So I think this being the West coast and what do you feel? I've heard this sort of course being thrown around a bit. Is there any chambers Bay in this place or is it just visually? It kind of gives me that vibe. Well, I think it, it it would. Um, I think it has some of that, right? When you think about Chambers Day, Bay, there was enough space um, to to hit a lot of fairways, and then mm-hmm. there was a lot of creativity. I think if this place gets firm, there's going to be a lot of that aim away to hit a close. It's similar with Augusta, right, where you you're aiming to spots that aren't the flag and and feeding them in, but also like I think Spieth's superpower. You talked with Brooks, right? about how he always two putts and stuff, you know, like Brooks never gives away strokes, right? Spieth can make golf look so disgustingly ugly. And you're like, wait, what did he shoot? 66? Like, how did, how did that happen? Right. I feel like that happened with Rory and what was it? 2015 or 2016. They played together on Saturday or Sunday. And it it was a Saturday round. And it, and it, it like, you know, 
Spieth looked terrible. He shot like 68. You know, like that's the thing. He he knows how to just – he's got a very high golf IQ, right? He understands where he needs to miss and where he can go, get up and down from. I think Cam is the same way in yes. that, that idea of like these guys have such magical short games, but a lot of their magic with their short game is the idea of like this is a risk I can take on and I can miss it here right is like understanding where they can get up and down and they can get up and down from more places than a lot of players absolutely yeah and cam has actually been since the masters he had some comments pre the masters that (laughs) they were bad basically alluded to like look i've kind of been just enjoying the bag that i took from the saudis and like haven't practiced much is more or less what he said but He's been really trending. I've watched the last couple of live tournaments, second, third, sixth, ninth, all top 10 finishes. He's number one on the live tour and birdies made this season. Um, He's starting to really gain strokes in ways that he gained strokes. I think that Oak Hill was probably one of the worst course fits you could pick for Cam Smith, and he still finished ninth there. So I'm intrigued by this being a better option for him. And those two guys, I mean, you nailed it, like short game, magic, getting up and down for par on Sundays of a major championship, ultimately oftentimes determine the winner. Brooks was able to do it successfully. Like these guys just the the break between finishing like third and first is like a chip in or being able to just navigate pars from the rough when you do end up missing greens. And those two guys are as good as anyone in the game at doing it. Yeah, I think I think like, you know, it sounds so simple and I, I, I like I it's a very rudimentary step. But like, you know, there are birdies available at this golf course like very available. If you hit good shots, you're rewarded out here. The thing about it is it's hard to like get away without a few paper cuts, right? And the guys that can string together the rounds. I, I always think that's what separates major championship. That's what frustrates me so much with Rory in majors, right? Is like it's like, okay, he's starting to go and then it's like, oh he three putts. Or yeah. at Oak Hill he laid up into the water. Like, you know, it's just like, wait, what, what are you doing? You know, it's like that momentum. Um, that's what, that's what Brooks does so well. It's what, um, it's what Spieth does. It's what Cam Smith does too. And Cam Smith, I mean, I, we're so not very removed from him putting together one of the best back nines to win a major and, you know, at, at the old course. And I think he's, He's probably, you know, 33 to one. You would never, if he was playing on the PGA tour, those odds wouldn't be available. Absolutely. He's fearless to Cam Smith. He has no fear of chasing down Rory at St. Andrews. He has no fear of going toe to toe with John Rahm in the final group and like winning the, he's just, he's just an all around great player. This next group is interesting to me. And I'm wondering like the odds are there. People are going to gravitate toward them because they don't want to take the short odds at the top of the board. But this group of like, Finau, Morikawa, Fitz, Hatton, I had some interest in. Justin Thomas is now 46 to 1. Hideki's at 48. Like this range is going to be compelling, I feel like, for a lot of betters, but it's a US Open. Like, can these guys win? You don't get paid for a second place. You have to have an outright victory. Do you see any of these guys with a legitimate chance to hoist a trophy? I mean, he hasn't been playing well, but Cam Young. Okay, where's Cam Young at? 51. 50. Yeah. Um, I mean, he has not been playing well, but I like when you're talking about a guy that could win, right? Could win a US Open, yeah. It, it, it's we saw it at I think I think Southern Hills is another comp for this course that you hmm. could make. Like similar topography, um, similar I think similar types of greens, a little bit they're different in nature, but like there's a lot of slope in them like a lot of back to front slope um so to me like that's another comp i don't like jt's game this year i mean i think it's been you know since february you've been able to tell something's off like i don't know i've heard rumors of injury um but he hasn't been there i did i was i i think hideki's not a terrible choice with the augusta comp again yeah um right like he's got you know he's an example of a guy with like a vastly underrated short game. And I think one of the things that some people are excited about, and and this is true about Augusta, right? Is like, 
it's okay to miss narrow, like small misses here. Mm-hmm. Wide misses are, are going to get you in more trouble out here, right? Does that make okay. sense? Yes. So as opposed to like Oak Hill, you could miss wide, right? Here, it's a little bit more about precision, right? And keeping it in the, in the, and when you start to talk about that, I think that brings Hideki up another level, right? Memorial yeah. has that going on, right? Where at Muirfield Village, like you can't miss super wide, right? You can miss, but not really wide. And I think that that would be like an off the tee comp of here is like Augusta Memorial where, where wide misses get you in trouble, but not, not like minimally wide. Right. Yeah. So when you start to get in that, and I think Jason day, I, you know, I don't think he can win though. That's the problem. Right. Right. You get here. It's like, can this guy win? No, probably not. Yeah. These guys, there are a lot of them. I, I see a flaw in almost all of these players games. And I think that that flaw has started to creep into other aspects, more so confidence wise, like, with Justin Thomas, with Colin Morikawa, with the putting, those two guys, like it's just got them rattled. They're changing grips. They have a, an elite strength with the ball striking with JT and the off the tee game with Morikawa. But one part of the game being so off is concerning me. Fitzpatrick has been really bad with his wedges. DJ has been all over the place off the tee. There's a couple of guys, and you mentioned like not missing really wide and keeping it basically within the fairway or a couple of yards off the fairway. A couple of ones I'm sort of interested in. Corey Connors, maybe a chance. Like the guy is is actually when it's a more difficult setup and even the But the is he of, gonna win? I don't know. Probably not. Like did you think he had a chance to win on Sunday? At no, I didn't. See not like that I like love Corey Connors if you're in like a pool or in DraftKings yeah. and it's like you know, a guy that's going to be on your roster, the top 15s, right? But, like, if you're talking outright winner, right. like, you, nobody on Sunday is like, you know what, Con- Corey Connors is going to win today. But he's not, it's not like he's Nick Taylor. You know, it's, he's got, like, it's, you're right. It the did putter, not feel like putter, it at all. The it's a problem. As, okay, but, but how about Justin Rose? That was my other one. Because Justin Rose I, has had one of the best, like, a resurgence that is being totally overlooked right now. He's, I know it's vastly, vastly different, but he's won on the West Coast this year in California. He's started to get things going in the right direction. He's shown up at a couple of majors. He seems to play his best when the conditions get difficult and there's more of a reward for fairway to green, right? Like just, just hit the center of the green, make your pars when you make your pars, be aggressive in spots. And he's really kind of shown a resurgence. He's up there at 60 to one, but those are the two guys that I was sort of circling. I have not made either wager at the moment, but was kind of thinking about both those. I like Justin Rose. I I feel like one of the things that Rose has done too, is like he's contended in a number of majors in recent years. Like even if you go back to Pebble 2019, and he's done it. He's been in contention and he's hit it like like complete crap, right? Like he was not hitting it great at Oak Hill and he was kind of in the mix. So one of these majors, he's actually going to hit it well, right? Yeah. He was so really I, in the, like at Oak Hill, man. He made so many birdies. So many. <laughs> it was crazy. And he like wasn't even hitting it well. Yeah. Okay, there's so. a couple of guys who've won it, won it Riv down here. Adam Scott, Joaquin Neiman, both at 91. Is there anyone like you mentioned I, I one guy mind, up here? I wouldn't mind Adam, Adam Scott. I wouldn't mind like as okay. a flyer. I like Adam right? Scott. He's a guy that you feel like should have a second major. I know he played. He played the course. I saw him out there during Riv Week um, at LACC. So he's played the course at least once. Um, but coming into it, whatever, whatever that uh, gets you. Sahith, uh, he's a Southern California guy. He's been in the mix, one one twenty five to one, yeah. right? Like, I mean, I, I assume nobody's putting like sizable bets on these guys at one twenty five yeah. to one. But like, if you're looking at flyers, I mean, Camp Davis at one ninety to one. I we love, like Australians, I, huh? We like I, Australians. I, I can't quit Camp Davis. I love Cam Davis. I think he's I so talented. I like it. I am. I am one of the preeminent members of the Cam Davis fan club. Um, so I, you know, I will put that out there that I am a little, a little biased, but I do love Cam Davis just in general. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I mean, you get down here and it's just like 
I think one of the tough things is like you're chasing history. You know, winning a major isn't winning the Canadian Open. Even though winning the Canadian Open for Nick Taylor is pretty damn impressive as a Canadian, right? It was. Um, but like you're you're chasing history, and then it becomes like can't like we saw it with Mito last year at at the PGA, right? It just like was this like slow burn, and it was like him melting from the major pressure. Not it wasn't if that was the RBC Hilton Head event, he probably would have closed it out, right? But it's when you're playing. When you're playing to join history, it just gets hard. So then you start to look at this list if you're looking at 101 plus bets, right? Patrick Reed. I don't know how he's been playing. But it's not he's good. not no. Okay, then don't ignore that, right? Like I don't <laughs> I haven't followed like live that closely. So if he's not playing well, then I wouldn't do it. So then at that point, I don't really know who else is there. Yeah, no, I, I okay, so you made a very fair point. Like there are guys that have the tendency to just melt under pressure. Like, how could you ever trust Tommy Fleetwood to win a major? And I love Tommy. I bet him yeah. I had this way. He melted at the Canadian Open to Nick Taylor. Absolute meltdown to not birdie 18 there. Um, but, like, I don't know, man. Maybe Sahith has it. Taylor Gooch is 101. There's another great bet. Um, Taylor Gooch, get- yeah, he's probably – Good like Siwoo there. doesn't give a shit. That's why I kind of like Siwoo. And like, I don't think that he will melt in this situation because he'll just, he goes for it and he's so aggressive. And I do like that about Sahith as well, that aggressiveness. You mentioned Cam Davis. I've, I'm, I'm on that bandwagon with you. I had him as my sort of preseason breakout star, whatever you want to call it. He just, he's got the three things that are going to get you victories on the PGA tour. If you can align them and he drives it great. He wedges it great. And he's a good putter. Like if you just have those three things, there are going to be spots where you figure it out and you're going to like knock off a win or two every two years. Um, So he's got it. But yeah, I think you're at a very, very limited pool. And the U.S. Open is typically one of those events where you can maybe hone in on 15 to 20 names and sort of redline the rest of the guys. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think uh, I think this it's a little bit different how you'd make it up this this major because I think like when you when you get into an oak kill situation you could cross off anybody that didn't send the ball you know here yeah. I think there's a little bit more variety in the type of players um, but yeah I agree I mean it, it's it's Brooks laid it out a few years ago people didn't like what he said but like he was right right was there's right. there's like there's 20 guys that could win this tournament ten of them aren't gonna play good so that means I got to beat 10 guys you know. And you yeah. know who the 20 are to start the week, really. You mentioned sort of the winning score. It seems like they've gone away. The USGA has gone away from this, like we want it to play over par. And they, they, they've they kind of given in maybe a little bit to the players. And like they want to make it tough, but bearable and like tolerable for these guys. They don't want to hear the feedback and the shit thrown at them. Do you think this is probably in that sort of sweet spot that we've seen of like five to 10 under par wins it? Yeah, I, I was, my guess was like eight in that eight to 12 ballpark was okay. what I was thinking. Um, that was kind of what my natural gut told me the when I was out there in the, in the winter. Um, I just, I think there's, I just, I think there, the conditions, like you're not going to get a crazy wind, right? So you're going to be, you're going to have pretty good conditions. Like you can get a little moderate sea breeze. Um, in the afternoons out there, but the mornings, especially if the marine layers in, it's going to be like playing in a dome. I mean, so I think um, I think the first two rounds could be really good scoring conditions in the morning, um, and um, and then I think uh, yeah, I think I think uh, in that eight to twelve ballpark is what I would I would settle in at. Can the I got like one more question? Can can the Barrancas are we going to see double bogeys? Because like I we oh, didn't yeah. really we didn't see doubles at Augusta. We didn't really see doubles at at Oak Hill. Like, are we going to see some implosions in Carnage? Is there is there potential that there's like you said it's a dried river? Is there like water in spots that may gather, Not or is now. it totally just hit or miss? Like if it if it rains a ton, yeah, there'll be water in there, but it doesn't rain this time of year there. So, um. Like you could end up in a bush, right? And you could have to take it on playable. Um, I like, guess are there like, like rocks down there. And like, is it just a roll of the yeah, dice what you end up it's in? A, it's really like, it's super sketchy, right? Okay. Like you could be fine. 
Yeah. <laughs> but but it <laughs> you could be like you know I would I would use the real world example, but I don't want to get in trouble. But but yeah, like you uh you could have like the time of your life down there if uh if 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 you get a good lie, you could be like that was great. I I want to be down there all the time. But if you get into like one of those bushes, you could be, you know, you could just be completely screwed and you could see somebody try and do something out of them. I think what what's going to be fun about them is unpredictability, right? Like you're going to see some really cool recovery shots and then you're going to see some failed recovery shots. too. Yeah. Listen, and that's man, where the uh, carnage comes from, right? I hope I hope we get a little bit. I'm rooting for that. And I think everyone is when we get to the U.S. Open. I I. Appreciate you kind of maybe a, a hair outside of the comfort zone with some of the gambling stuff, but the insight into LACC was second to none. Um, tell the people here what else you have planned sort of for this week from a content standpoint and where they can find it. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. We, we've we got, um, we'll have like just about daily shotgun starts. Uh, uh, it's a podcast. And then we'll have, we have a big George Thomas video. That's He's the architect of LACC as well as Riviera in Bel Air, um, in, in LA. So we have a big video going up on Monday with that. And then we do daily newsletters. So that's free sign up, uh, for that at, uh, the friday.com. So thanks for having me on Joe. It's a real pleasure. Anytime you need me again, you know, to give you bad gambling advice, I'm, I'm available. <laughs> Much appreciated. My my viewers don't need much more of that. I give them plenty of it, but I appreciate your time as always. It was an honor talking to you at Andy TFE on Twitter. If you're following me and not following him, I don't know what you're doing. Check out the fried egg as well. Thanks for coming on, man. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Joe. All right, guys, um, appreciate you all checking out the show. Make sure to check out some of his stuff as well. PreferredLinesGolf.com is where you can support it. If you're here on the YouTube channel, thank you so much. I appreciate your support as always. Big week in store. Good luck at the U.S. Open. Be nice to somebody this week. Make somebody's day. You know, Drive through the coffee line. Get it for the guy behind you. Do some good in the world. Have a great week at the U.S. Open. We're going for the Tiger Slam. I think it's going to be Cam. Cam is my one pick if you had to ask me. Full card out this week. The Tour Junkies Discord is absolutely on red hot fire. I'm going to jump in there Wednesday night chat. Jock Market Power Hour with Rick Gaming coming later this week. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Thank you for checking out Preferred Lines. As always, it was an absolute pleasure to be in front of your eyeballs tonight on a Sunday night. Have a great week. Talk to you soon. Peace.